What's up, everybody? This is the betrayed, the addicted, and the expert. My name is Brandon, and I am the expert. And I'm Ashlyn, and I was the betrayed. And I'm Kobe, the recovering addict. What you're gonna get is three unique perspectives on recovery and tools for hope and healing. Hello, hello. All right, I'm going to start with a fan favorite, and this is from Little Fishy. I've been attending a 12-step group for over two years and has been very helpful, but I am look, I've am i been looking for the next step to take recovery to a new level, and this is it. I was hungry for more, and I found a feast of information and validation in this podcast. I couldn't possibly overstate how amazing this resource is. Ashlyn and Kobe are role models because they are so hum- human and acknowledge the mess that life is, but find joy through it all. Brandon, oh my goodness, Brandon, so knowledgeable, clearly knows his stuff, and so unassuming that he's like a warm, inviting hug. Oh, <laughs> um, every person could find valuable information in this podcast. No addiction or trauma required. I love that. Thank you so much for being brave and sacrificing to create this podcast. All three of you are now my heroes. Oh my goodness, I that is a rad uh, review. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. You're a legend. And um, a hug. Hugs all around. <laughs> But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say here, the heroes, I think, are those who are listening. Absolutely. I mean, you guys are doing the, the, the work. You guys have reached out to find us and um, are working your own recoveries. Yeah, you're doing the heavy lifting. If you're listening to this, then you're, you're saying, hey, I'm humble enough and willing enough to, to work on myself and to learn and grow. So, so it's not us, it's them. Amen. So, um, really quickly, I just want to say before we get started, um, this isn't therapy. So this is listening to a podcast, and it's listening to a podcast with a therapist on it. And, and then we, two crazy people. <laughs> <laughs> two awesome people. Um, but it, it, it doesn't replace therapy, and it's not therapy. But we believe we're one of the best resources out there. Indeed. Yeah, but we're, we, but we are not therapy. We are not. So, we still go to therapy, so there yeah. you go. <laughs> if if you want therapy, then you can come in and meet with me or something. But this is not therapy. <laughs> there so. you go. Um, all right. Okay. So we have a ahead. magic pill. Yes, we got. I heard this. Like the title is "There's this magic pill for recovery." We have the answer, you guys. Brace yourselves. You ready? Drum roll. Like we know the magic pill to get you better from betrayal trauma and from sex addiction. Ready? You make a big checklist. And then you force yourself to do that checklist. Wait a second. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Right, Kobe? Yeah. Ashlyn? <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what I'm thinking. It's like we, we were teasing actually before the start of this. Like, you know, I, I, when I first started, I thought that recovery was like taking a Z-Pack. <laughs> <laughs> right. Is there a Z-Pack for this? <laughs> Can I get the seven-day rather than the 12-day <laughs> uh, series, please? You know, we, we apply this Western philosophy of medicine to recovery, which is, um, you know, I got an issue in my life. I need to fix it. So give me the pill. Give me the, the magic checklist. I'll do that thing, and it'll get all better. Make it go away. Make it go away. And, and oftentimes people come into therapists and say, hey, like put me through your program or your thing or whatever so that I can hurry and get done with it. And I can move on with my life. Oh my gosh. I remember when we saw our first, not, no, she was our third therapist. Um, we're on our fourth now. Um, but our third, I remember asking, like, how much longer do we have to do this? And, and part of it, we were spinning circles, right? right? So we weren't really getting anywhere. But I remember her saying, like, 
you don't really like quit therapy. It's right. just it's here is like your backup tool. And I was like, what? Like, no. Right. <laughs> I thought I'd be done by now. If you have a therapist who's trying to sell you some 90-day program or, uh, you know, come to them for two weeks and go through their intensive and everything will get better, um, it's, not, it's not going to fix it all. And uh, it might help. You might get some good tools and some support there, but that's not going to long-term really create recovery. Um, and the, the reason why we're never going to run out of content is because recovery is ongoing. I, I don't believe there's anything. Um, I, I don't believe in aftercare. I don't. I don't think you come into treatment, and then, and then you go into aftercare. I believe that recovery is is daily and it's lifelong. And and, and what I think is important for people listening to know is that Brandon hasn't always treated just sex addiction and betrayal trauma. Right. This goes for for drug addiction as well. Um, Recovery is a lifestyle change, and um, it's not it's not a check it off check things off the box. And it can really get you in in trouble if you believe or approach recovery from this place of checklisting. Um, did you guys did you do that? Did you start with that, or were you were you always more kind of open to the process of it ongoing? Um, I think once we actually found the right place, I think we were open to the process of it. They gave us kind of a plan and said, we think you guys would do well doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked that it wasn't a one-size-fits-all. Uh-huh. Um, so that was one thing that I That's saw That's another different. really good point. There's no such thing as one-size-fits-all. So there's not this magic pill where everybody who's ever been betrayed – goes in and this therapist has the exact right answer that's going to fix everybody. Right. Right. Because we all have these different lenses we view life and experiences from our childhood, all of it. Yes. And so I really liked that, even though I wasn't educated in therapy as as much as we'd been going at it for 18 months previous. But um, I didn't love it at first, but I was like, okay, I'm doing the things. Um, I'm doing what they told me to do, right? Engaging in the process. But then when new groups opened up and new um, things were available, like we took this mindfulness course, we took a shame resiliency course, that wasn't in our plan. Right. Um, And it wasn't something that other people were like, we did this and it worked for us, so you should do it. It was like, it was available. Our therapist thought, you know what, this might fit you guys right now in where you're at. Right. And we did it and it was, both of them I feel like really changed um, the trajectory of where we were going. Absolutely. I, I, I tell my clients all the time, it, I don't care what you do as long as it gets you to real recovery. And we'll talk about what real recovery is in a minute. But, you know, it's not get a sponsor, go to a 12-step group, meet with a CSAT therapist, um, go through the worksheets that your CSAT therapist gives you, and then all of a sudden, voila, you're going to get better. Um, you can stand on your head every day. And if that helps bring peace and acceptance and humility into your life, then maybe that'll help you, right? Um, but it's not exactly one thing. Now, I'm a CSAT. I'm a therapist. I believe in these things. I believe in 12-step um, and sponsorship and things like that. All these things are good, but they're not the end-all, be-all, one thing that will fix everything for everybody, Right. And I think that's probably one of the frustrating things is people who follow our story. Like, what did you guys do? Why don't you share your plan of what worked? And I'm like, I don't, 
I don't know because it doesn't work for everyone. Right. And there has been people who've tried to follow our path and it hasn't worked out the same. Like the, the ending isn't the same. And so I think that's where it kind of gets tricky is people are like, well, they, this is what they did and they're in recovery. So right. that must work for us. Right. But some of the things that you guys did do are helpful. And so it's helpful for other people to hear that. But it doesn't mean that it's going to automatically work for everybody. Right. And the order of doing it. Um, A lot of my friends that um, have reached out and we've met through recovery have done things like backwards compared to us. I mean, we didn't go to couples therapy in recovery for what, a year and a half, two years, Mm -hmm. which is kind of backwards for a lot of people. A lot of people start with that, but we had to really work on ourselves ourselves for a long time. Right. I think what's also important to take into consideration is, is we're like, so we, we, like you, Brandon, we work with a lot of people who in, in, in groups and individually who start the process and say, okay, how long is it going to take? What's like, how quickly can it be done? I thought I could work with you for a month and, and be okay and be good to go. And, and a lot of guys, even in 30 days make progress. And, um, but I want to be really, really clear in saying that I was once one of those guys I was once one of those guys who, like, for instance, the first time I went to 12-step, I was mandated, if you will, by our therapist to go to 12-step. And I showed up, and it just happened to be week one, and I went every week for 12 weeks. And as soon as that 12th that week I had attended, I stopped going. You checked the box. More, moreover, I did. Moreover, uh, I got a book. Probably, I don't know, three or four weeks in, because they, they just passed them around. Who doesn't have one? I'm like, I guess I have to raise my hand. I got a book and I never, I never filled out a single page. I didn't even put my name on it because I didn't want anybody to think that it was. And and when I didn't have it in group, it went in my underwear drawer buried at the very bottom. So I didn't have to see it. So that's, that's really where we started. And, um, we honestly, I, I think the, the, the thought process for me that was behind that was I wanted this really, really uncomfortable thing in my life that was a source of a lot of discomfort, that was a source of a lot of pain and a lot of arguments for you and I, Ashlyn, to just go away. Right. And and I think that's an important part for both parties to to understand for themselves. It's like if that's what my thought process was, what's what is yours? What's the thought that says, I want this to be done, whether it's one and done, whether it's let me go to 12 steps for 12 weeks and then I'm done like me. What's the thought process behind that that says, I just want this to be over with. I want to be taken out of this because one thing that recovery has proven to me is that in order to really heal, we have to go through. Yeah. We have to go through the hard stuff. And so, and that's, and so just writing, like writing it out on a worksheet or, you know, like hurrying and, and checking these things off the list that's not going through it yeah going through it is is engaging in the process of change yeah. and you know the 12 step checklisting the 12 steps is one of the biggest oxymorons there is because uh, the 12 steps themselves are a process they're you know they're, they're principles they're not things that you do in order to get better and right? it's not usually a 12-week process right <laughs> no and you don't yeah it's not one week i'm doing step one and, and you know if you've if you've written out your first step inventory your fourth step inventory you've made amends and now you're sponsoring somebody it doesn't mean that you're on step 12 it doesn't mean that you might be on step two still or step one 
until your heart changes to, to really accept what step one and step two means in your life, right? And, and like, I've, I've worked with guys who, who are boasting that they're on step 12, and I don't feel like they've given their life over to the care of God, step three, right? And so it's, uh, you know, it's a change of heart. And in order to change heart, you engage in the process. You don't hurry and want to get it over with, like what you were talking about, yeah. in order to be done with it, right? Yeah. Well, and so. I hear this a lot from women. It's um, what we call the spike narrative, that narrative in your head that sometimes gets you spinning out of control. And it's, do I have to live like this the rest of my life? When will this be over? Or will this ever work will this ever be over and so it's that i think mindset too of this is so uncomfortable and so hard get me out you know you know what's interesting about that ashlyn is that thought is do i have to live like this for the rest of my life that means do i have to be in therapy do we have to be doing this hard work do we right and 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 a person who really starts to kind of turn the corner in recovery recovery becomes this thing that isn't a chore it's a thing that is just awesome. It's a blessing. And a, a recovery, you're recovering something. You're recovering your self-worth and you're recovering peace in your life. And when you start to figure out how to actually go through the process of recovering that peace, then you want to do it for the rest of your life. You want to live a life where you're honest and open and vulnerable and connected to to God and others, right? Oh, absolutely. And so, yeah, sign me up for the rest of my <laughs> life. I'm in. Right? I know. It just sounds overwhelming at first. And and I felt that way in the beginning. I don't know if you did, Kobe. Are you, are you serious? <laughs> just like, this is awful. And, our, you know, half of our week was devoted to therapy. And the money was going, all extra money was going towards recovery. And yeah. There was no date night because date night was therapy or group or whatever. And it was just like, oh, my gosh, is this really life? And um, it did end. Like that period of life did end where it was like consuming us, which sounds kind of weird because look what we do now. We look like it consumes us. Right. But it doesn't. Right. (laughs) It's in a very different um, context i would say than when we were like in the thick of the beginnings but I, I would i would say to our audience be cautious to not just do the easy thing uh, because we're saying don't go checklist it mm-hmm. and they'll say okay i can go do it whatever i want right and, <laughs> um but do do the things that you feel like are are helping you to feel more peace and so for you guys going to therapy for half the week right or a lot of those groups and those things helped you oh, and they yeah. supported you and they pushed you to, to work on some really hard things. Um, but I know a guy who came to therapy like every other week or every three weeks. But when he started working his recovery, he started um, – he went and got a horse. And he spent time with his horse every day and learned how to control his energy and and be boundaried with this horse. And it changed his life. And in a way, he kind of worked his recovery through working with his horse – Right, and so it's it's an unconventional way, but it worked for him. And he he speaks at groups now. Um, he he talks about what real recovery is, and he gets what real recovery is. His relationship is great now with his wife. So um, so don't avoid hard things because we're saying there's not a one size fits all. Be open to whatever it is that you need in order to heal. 
and and on our podcast and in Patreon and we we give ideas of of things that help for healing. Um, we give little nuggets of information. Take them and say, yeah, that would help me. I'm gonna I'm gonna implement that into my recovery. Um, but just know it's not a one size fits all. And so. and I think uh, you know recovery is very much likened to the law of the harvest as far as like growing a garden. And I don't mean to be so elementary when I say that, but if you if you consider the effort that goes into growing corn or growing strawberries or growing pumpkins like it, it takes an extraordinary amount of effort but also but also it takes it takes extraordinary amount of effort over time it's not lots of effort it's a lot of consistent effort over a long period of time to be able to yield a proper crop and um, that change like the the fruit that is yielded by the ground is the same thing that has to take place within us and and I have to say now that the things that I started doing when I started recovery are the same things and that I haven't changed those things one because they've worked to help me move through them but also um I've because I'm consistent I've allowed time to work with me yes to provide the change that I was really really yes. interested in and and I think maybe that's one of the one of the things that maybe that's one of the I don't know. The key considerations in this is like, what are the things I'm going to do? They're going to be sustainable over time to see if I can change how I really approach recovery. Because I think that, that time is like the, the great equalizer. If, if you're consistent, time will always yield you the thing that you really want. And moreover, here's what's cool is there, there was this threshold for me as far as like spiritual devotional is concerned. I had a super, super unhealthy relationship with, with God and I viewed him as one of a God of retribution, a God who, um, who thought down, who, who thought less of me, who, if I would relapse, would just immediately send retribution. And that was, that was exactly how I viewed God. And um, so what happened was, is I was really, really consistent with uh, my spiritual devotional each day. And my whole connotation of God has changed but my activity hasn't changed. But time has worked with me to yield the, the change in my, my view of God to embrace him and to become closer to him. And I've never been more focused on, on daily or weekly communion with him. Now, that's a term that's used in, in the Catholic faith, but I'm not Catholic. But it's a very real and intentional thing for me is to have communion with God. Absolutely. And the same activity every day yep, that I've used yes. that has yielded um, the change that I've really, really sought, that I always really wanted. But it just took it took time. So, so listen how different that is than checklisting it, which is, okay, there's this task that I better get done, and then I'm done with it, then I don't have to deal with it anymore. Right. Compared to what you just said, Gobi, which is there's this thing that I want in my life, and so I'm going to consistently engage in something that helps me have that thing that I want in my life, right? And it's you know, I think I shared this analogy on the podcast. It's like getting in shape. If I work out today, I want to be healthy, so... I want to get ripped. Well, just if I work out today and I checklist it off, I'm like, hey, I worked out. Where's my six-pack, right? It doesn't work that way. But if every day I do a little bit and every day I engage in the habit of being healthy and working out, I might end up with a six-pack, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, Go ahead, babe. Oh, I was just going to say I'm thinking of um, earlier – 
last week when we got in an argument. Are you okay if I share this? Of course. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> uh, considering Co- everything we've shared, Kobe uh, I'm pretty okay. Her, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. But go for it. He probably <laughs> still doesn't know. <laughs> no, I, I still don't know, but I'm like uh, pretty sure an argument's okay considering what we have already shared. <laughs> Well, this is true. Um, <laughs> most arguments are so stupid, you forget them, right? right? They're yes. not worth the fight yet. We think they are. Um, but I think one of the things that um, we want this magic pill of recovery, and then we think once we're in recovery, we don't mess up, right? Right. And Kobe and I still argue. Right. Um, we're never not going to argue, right? We have different opinions. We have different backgrounds. But the way we deal with it is so different and that to me is where recovery shows up so uh, last week I was on we moved um, two weeks ago okay so we're still trying to figure out like how we work from home how does this work now in a new environment it's summertime so the kids are home all these different dynamics going on okay and so I'm doing a video conference call with these women in um, anyways I always do them on my bed I work from bed and Kobe comes in and he's like, I'm going to take a shower and he's not in the view. So I'm not worried about it, but I don't know, but he doesn't know. And I'm not in the view. And so he, he's mad because I'm ignoring him and I haven't moved. And I'm like motioning, like put, I'm like motioning silently, like next to her, right next to her to move over. Why don't you just shock the women in the group? (laughs) Hey, well, Hey, (laughs) we're really open and vulnerable here. Little do you know, (laughs) that was old Kobe. Right. So, so I'm ignoring him because I'm like, he's not in the, I'm on my call. I'm focused. I'm helping these women like leave me alone. And this is what I always do. So why are you bugging me? But our room is different now. There is no door on the bathroom. He could be seen if I turn the, you know, and right, so he right, felt right. vulnerable. So I do the call. He comes out, turns on the blow dryer as I'm on this call, and I'm push mute and I go, "What are you doing, Kobe?" And what happened? Oh, in the most obstinate and defiant way, I looked at her right in the mirror, and I was like, "I'm not turning this off, not at all, no way." And I'm angry and I'm mad that you even did that call, and Victim. I'm not going to turn it off. <laughs> I was totally. <laughs> I was, was just like doing lots hijacked. of finger po- yes. pointing. Yes, totally. And for me, it immediately sends me into like. Oh wait, this is old Kobe. Like uh-huh. he's acting like a child. He's pointing fingers, and somehow this is my fault. Right. Um, yes, obviously I take some ownership in what happened. But I left the room, finished my call, and I left. Took the girls to gymnastics, and within five minutes, I get a voice memo from Kobe on my phone telling me he's one owned his stuff. I was a child. I am sorry. But this is how I felt. And he told me I felt exposed. I felt vulnerable. vulnerable. And he told me how I felt instead of pointing fingers like he was doing five minutes before. And honestly, I replied back like, I had no idea it made you feel vulnerable or exposed. Because I've actually never heard you say you felt exposed. Mm -hmm. The guy who used to look at porn and and do these things that was very, didn't care if people saw him, right? And now he's concerned like, one, that's a step forward. That's yes. a big deal, Kobe. Right. So I tell, told him that. like, And I'm sorry I didn't realize that you felt that way. Uh, right. It was just the, it was a really cool moment for us, I think, because what could have been a five-day fight in the past was five minutes. But to your point, Ashton, what you're saying is because Kobe's in recovery, um, it doesn't mean that he won't have those moments right. when he goes back to 
the Kobe of old, right? right? You're still triggered in the, into those moments. And, you know, that term in recovery is, I think they nailed it. Whoever, whoever came up with recovery is the word because it's, it's recovery. It's not recovered. Yeah. Um, you're, you're in it. You're always in it. You're always working it. And, and so, but I like your point, which is the difference between a man in recovery and a man who's, who's in, in their attachment disorder or their addiction is the man in recovery can bounce back, own his stuff, clean it up and create love after a a situation like that. Right. So I think it was a huge win for us. And one that maybe in the beginnings of recovery, I would have looked at like, ah, why are, why isn't he doing this? Like we're not learning anything. Whereas, yeah, there was some major wins during that, that you have to own. You have to own your wins or you can't own recovery. Absolutely. Yes. Pretty cool experience. And that was, and actually that was a really good one because oftentimes we always, um, we always hear stories and we have experienced ourselves like, okay, that's, that's, um, the addict talking. That's the addict speaking. And that is a very, it's understandable why that's, why that's shared. And, and most of the time when we get those kinds of emails or messages or we hear those firsthand, it's because the partner, like the addict, is is still trying to um, pass a threshold from addiction to recovery. And so and so it, it's hard to, to be able to measure progress on that. Therefore, the betrayed will say that's the addict talking or that's addict mode. And that's that's a really tough threshold to be able to to measure and understand. But um, I want to just say that, that even after recovery is achieved, we're, you're still going to have fights. I don't mean to burst anybody's bubble, just like we kind of burst the bubble saying there's no magic pill. <laughs> there's, there's, recovery is not the secret to no arguments or disagreements or even fights. Right. It just means that there's a new way to leverage skills. So can a, can a couple fight who is in recovery? Totally. Can they fight and not be in addict mode and not be hijacked by betrayal? Totally. The the. With those disagreements in recovery, you can end up with connection. Yeah. Um, in in addict mode, and I, I want to say something about that in a second, but in addict mode, you end up with complete loneliness, separation, and disconnection, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes acting out, right? And so I do want to mention one quick thing about addict mode because mm-hmm. I have a, a few clients who have that thrown in their face all the time. Yeah. Oh, and you're it, just an it addict. It goes both you're ways. You're just an addict mode. You're just... Yeah. Right? And... and, and it's good to be able to to call it something to to recognize oh you're that that's where you're at but it can be kind of problematic in terms of it like it being thrown in their face yeah. and them them being told that they're just an addict right, right? and it so. Here's my take on it, because Kobe, I know Kobe has said, like, that's a betrayal talking. And I've said, you're in addict mode. We've done yeah. that in the past. And so what I've said to him, um, probably within the last year is like, hey, do you think that helps me get out of this or when hurts he's me? saying You're just in betrayal. Right. right? Um, it's not helping. Right. So maybe just let's cut that part out. And we just don't even go there. Right. Right. Super good. So, I, hey, I want to add one thing before we finish yes, sir. up. Um, your analogy of the corn and the garden, mm-hmm. and I, I really like that. Um, you know, you look at recovery, and you want to add water, you want to add sunlight, and and grow this thing, right? So if you're if you're trying to grow a recovery here, 
and you add water, but that water is full of fear and shame and rigidity and control, then your corn is not going to grow or it's going to die. And so if you take, um, if you take all these, th- this list of tasks and things that you should do, and you have a therapist, you have a wife or a husband or a church leader who's, who's shooting all over you, you should do this, you should do that, you should do this, you should do that. Um, you're, you're, you're trying to grow this recovery from a place, and, and you're probably shooting on yourself more than anything. Um, but you're growing this recovery from a place of, of fear and control. You're not going to get into recovery. So when I say don't shoot on yourself, um, that means a lot more than just like don't. It, what that means is come from a place of power, come from a place of love, a place of self-compassion, and do those things because you want to create something, not because you're forced to and not because you're shooting into the, doing those things. You'll never get into recovery that way. That's awesome. Love it. That's super awesome. Okay, so there's there's a part two to this, guys, and um, the part two is going to entail um, sharing the some of the mile markers, not the boxes to check. I want to be really clear, but some of the mile markers of what um, of what this really looks like, as far as like, like whoa, this recovery. Is recovery. Exactly. Like, when we say in recovery, like what do we even mean? What does that look right? like? And and I think what's really really important about that is is understanding that everybody's path is going to be different, but there are some things to be aware of. There's a there's a, a spirit of it, and there's a letter of it, and we want to talk about, it, and we're going to use real life demonstrations, real life examples of what, what that looks like, looks like, what healing looks like in action. And um, we'll give some of the mile markers. So that way, as we're traveling down this road, the last thing we want to do is, is be down the road of recovery and not even understand it, that, that we're actually in recovery, that we're yeah. working it. Because there's so much of Spike that tries to snatch wins like that from us to make us believe yeah. that we're not. So it's important that you understand what some of them may be for you. But it's also important to be able to understand the difference between them checking boxes versus I've, I've had a change of heart like you referenced. Yeah. Because that is the real key indicator, and that's uh, to me understanding the difference between the two were the were the foundational building blocks of reclaiming my self worth, yes. and um, the reclamation of self worth uh, preceded the forgiveness of self and, and letting go of shame to others and, and God and, exactly. Yeah. So um, those are the things we're going to talk about. Um, it's going to be over on Patreon if you scroll down. And click on details. You're going to see in the show notes there is a link to our Patreon page, and that's where we're going to talk about it. So, guys, don't be shy. Love to have you. Join us on Patreon. It's awesome. Totally. There's been a lot of really great interaction. We just finished our um, our second Q and A there last week, and it was uh, it was a great experience. So, love to see you over there. All right. Okay, guys. Have a great week.